he's not from around here. Uh, are you new in town? Yeah. He's come a long way. Hold on. You like living dangerously, don't you? Now, he's going to do to them. Who are you? What they did to him. In the Wraith, rated PG-13. Now showing at select theaters. Check newspaper for showtimes. Nineteen eighty-six, prime nineteen eighty-six. Yeah, all its curious glory. All right, well, let's get into it. It is a brand new episode of Reconcinimation. I'm your host, John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And my God, this is another special episode. We've got a returning guest, one of our favorites, Blake Fischera from Scored to Death. How's it going, Blake? It's well. And even better by the fact that we're talking about the Wraith tonight. <laughs> That's right. Are 19... you excited? <laughs> sure. Of course. Always. Always excited. <laughs> excited to see all you guys and excited to talk about a movie that I hadn't seen in a really long time. That uh, yeah. always had a special place in my heart. So We're always psyched to have you back on the show. It's some of our favorite episodes. We get the, the, the most comments on, uh, on the ones you pop on for. And the Wraith is a very special movie that we're going to get into. There's, there's a lot happening in this movie, but, um, but Blake, tell us before we get into it, what's happening with, uh, all things scored to death. Well, we're working on. Score to Death, The Dark Art of Scary Movie Music, which is a documentary that I wouldn't say is based on the books, but is kind of a companion to the books. Uh, and in kind of uh, collaboration with that, in conjunction with that, uh, producing a Score to Death record, an album, music album, which is a compilation of horror movie themes, uh, covers of a great fantastic lineup of musicians have gotten together to support the movie by uh, covering horror movie themes and allowing me to release it. And we re we originally, uh, you know, presented it as part of the Kickstarter campaign, which was helpful, but we're going to have a ton of leftovers. So mm. uh, I will at some point figure out a way to make them available to more people and just like the Kickstarter campaign, all kind of the proceeds from the album will go towards the making of the documentary. Uh, other than that, I'm still doing, uh, although this will be, I'm working on my first episode of 2023 for Scored to Death Radio, which is a podcast I do at Cinematic Sound Radio Network. And uh, because basically I've been doing nothing but horror movie music themed stuff for the last decade. Uh, I'm branching out and I'm doing a couple of episodes on like movie theme songs from the seventies and eighties. Mm. So we're going to be listening to a, it's actually gonna be two episodes. Cause I just could not cut, couldn't, couldn't pare down the list. <laughs> <laughs> the intent was to do just all stuff that was really rare and weird, but 
Yeah. You gotta you gotta throw stuff like fame and flash dance in there. I mean, oh yeah, gonna, absolutely. Oh. Some Stan Bush has gotta make it into the Stan Bush, <laughs> who is has a song in, in the Wraith soundtrack. <laughs> so uh that's what I'm working on now. Not sure when those are gonna drop, but that's uh that's what I'm working on in podcast land. And every once in a while, Dion and I still get, get together to do something for Saturday night movie sleepovers. And uh, we're actually working on a uh an episode proper that we might be recording in a week or so from when we're recording this right now. Nice. Ooh. Awesome. That's uh so the composers that you interviewed for the books, both, you know, both volumes, are there new composers for the documentary or is it, you know, a mix of uh, people from those books? It's kind of a mix of some people from the books and some new people. I started writing the first book at the end of 2013. So, I mean, it really has been a decade that I've been wow. kind of working on this. Um, just shy of that by December-ish <laughs> will be a, de a decade. And then uh, I started doing the podcast. And then from the podcast, kind of not the podcast I just spoke about Saturday night, uh, not Score to Death Radio, but a podcast called Score to Death, the podcast where I interviewed composers. That kind of came after that after the first book and then the second book oddly enough kind of sprouted more from the podcast than from the original book um but you know the the all the time working on all those books and the two books and the podcast like so many more composers have kind of stepped up to the forefront of composing and thankfully and kind of awesomely uh more women more people of color, stuff like that. So uh, that's getting, you know, it's going to be a really cool mix of like the classic guys yeah. like Harry Manfredini and Charles Bernstein and all those guys. And then some new people, like I just recently interviewed uh, Robert Ikai Aubrey Lowe, who did the remake of Candyman. Oh, nice. Uh, the score for that. He's a Brooklyn guy, so it was a lot easier for me <laughs> to go to do that one here in New York. Um, but we're also going to try to interview a few other people, like uh, maybe a neuroscientist about how music works and horror works in the brain, and uh, you know, film uh, like a film music historian. Not trying to keep the cast list relatively small, right? But the concept of the documentary is going to be more focusing specifically on how music works in horror movies, as opposed to like a history of it or just like biographies of composers and how they, so it's going to really focus on how music works. And so it's all about like finding the right people to talk to, yeah, uh, to talk about that subject while also casting like a really wide net for a diverse talent. So to get a whole bunch of different points of view on it. That's um, I've never heard of anybody talking about the science of how what that music triggers, you know, how how that you respond to it kind of psychologically. That's amazing. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, we have to find the right. I haven't found the neuroscientist or somebody like that yet. <laughs> yeah, I did find a guy in California who I'm hoping to interview next time I'm in town who does. He's a scientist who works with marmots and he discovered picking up a baby marmot that it like screamed mm. and because it was a, it was scared and it, and he'd had he had such an emotional reaction to it he became very fascinated by the idea of like the sound that animals make when they're scared and how they're pretty common 
And then I don't know why yet, because I didn't interview him, but then he took those sounds, like the waveforms of those sounds that he recorded, and compared them to movie soundtracks, not just mm. the music, but the overall. And they found like a ton of similarities with horror movie soundtracks about like the na- like in nature, the, <laughs> yeah. in nature, the sounds that people make when they're and animals make when they're distressed and scared and just the way sound works in horror movies. So we're going to talk to him about that as well. Nice. You're going to have to find the consultants from dreamscape and <laughs> see what they're up to. This, now I don't know anything about, composing and horror movies there's a lot of uh, horror movie music sound like a lot of people emptying their their bowels in, uh, out of fright is it a lot of like slushing sploshing noises yeah the beautiful thing about horror movie scores is that uh anything can be music and uh <laughs> so um there are definitely scores that you could probably argue sound like that yes oh my gosh okay see all right <laughs> all right david's in He's in now. <laughs> now I well, I understand it. <laughs> now that it's been explained. That's uh that's Bye, super perfect. exciting. So we'll uh we'll make sure to let everybody know here as that's yeah. getting ready to, to yeah, drop. Well, we're, and... we're still at the beginning of sh- shooting. Yeah, so we're it's gonna be a while. We're tracking but, uh, it though. We're gonna track it here. Yeah, we've got a 50-year lease on this uh <laughs> on this building, so we're gonna be here. Yeah, take your time. Oh boy. All right. Well, let's uh, switch gears to uh, the reason why we're here tonight. And it's to talk about The Wraith, uh, the 1986 Charlie Sheen starring film. Why on earth did we pick this one, guys? Was it me again? Well, I think it was you and I, John. We, I think we both, I don't know, David, if you'd seen this when you were younger, but I know John and I both had. And we like to joke about this movie sometimes uh, while while fooling around. And I think uh, I think we decided that it was time. It was time to really settle down and uh, take a deeper look at it. Let's let's get that inside joke. Let's just, just show it to its completion. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. It's going to be slow burn this time. <laughs> well, yeah, this was a movie. The Wraith is a movie that I don't know if you grew up in the eighties. It was. I mean, it was it was on your radar. You know, it was something that everybody had seen. It was a strange movie. It wasn't. It was like a. It was maybe it was like the first cult movie that I knew about. That was not. You know, wasn't a huge blockbuster. It wasn't. Um. You know, I don't think it was like massive on rentals or anything. But everybody knew about it. So it was. Uh, it's been on the list for a long time. So I felt like. See, was... for me, for me, it's kind of different because I felt like I was the only person on the planet who had seen it until college, probably yeah, when I ran into other yesterday. like like minded <laughs> folks who were there to make movies, and they were like, "Oh yeah, the Wraith." And I was like, "What? You yeah. know about this movie?" <laughs> well, you know, and and we're big fans of the machine here, so. Uh... Got it. It was time to get him back on the show. So, is this the level of cults there? Like, there's midnight showings and people coming in costume and throwing props from the movie at the screen. Is it that kind of cult status? Or I don't. Say, what props you ever, would you throw? Like the metal the, 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 arm the, braces. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think it would just be a lot of medical equipment. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make sense at all. But <laughs> yeah. Anytime anybody's walking around confused, not knowing what's going on i think that's probably a, pl- a play on 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 the uh 
the cult following of the of the wraith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go back in time to November 1986. Brent, what's what's happening in the world uh, in uh, in November 86? Yeah, let's see. So fall 86. Uh, the biggest news internationally is that Reagan had uh, confessed to selling weapons to I Iran, which was a big deal uh, back back then. I remember that being on the news quite a bit. Uh, Oliver North and and all that hoopla. And so that was going on. Um, there was also a lot happening in the streets with the gangs. So Run DMC was making, uh, you know, he, the, that rap group was kind of pleading with the gangs of LA to to chill out and have like an organized peace day where they put down their their weapons and didn't fight for just a day they were asking for. Uh, so it, it was pretty bad. I, I do remember a lot of the movies coming out right around then and after then were all very like gang related uh, and and kind of street street thug life sort of mm -hmm. sort of themed. Um, so that was happening. Uh, the Beastie Boys released their uh, album License to Ill, which was the first rap album to ever hit the the number one spot on the Billboard list. And still uh, amazing. Still amazing. also also the first rap album I ever had and uh, would recite Fight for Your Right constantly. Yeah. Um, yep. Let's see what else was happening. Mike Tyson was the youngest champion in in boxing history. He won the championship in November. He won uh, in eighty six. Yeah, he won in eighty six. Yep. I thought it was later. for the first time he was and he was twenty years old when he won it, which is. Uh, I don't know if it still stands as the record, but I, I have yeah. to imagine. I it have to imagine be. it could be. And when did Punch Out come out? Uh, that, that was my next question. Right, <laughs> right afterwards. It had to be feels like, like it feels like it feels like right around then. But now, let's see. It. Who beat Who beat Mike Tyson's Punch Out here? Who Who beat it? Who beat it? But yeah, Blake and, beat it. Yeah, you had to. I mean, yeah. it was hard work, but it it, it was. Yeah, <laughs> Glass Joe, right? Glass, Glass Joe. Joe and, yeah, Soda Hippo Bowl. What was Soda Popinski? Soda Popinski, classic. <laughs> yeah. Then some uh, other unfortunate ones, right? Yeah, like Mystic yeah. Tiger or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, probably some racially insensitive uh, ones. <laughs> what was that? What was the hippo guy? That was. Oh God! Yeah, King, King oh. Hippo. Was that King Hippo? Yeah. King Hippo. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was a big game, but I, that must have come a little later because yeah. he didn't win the he didn't win until uh, that year. So so punching yeah, out, yeah, punch, punching folks out. <laughs> but he won in the second round, which, as anybody who grew up uh, around that time and and watched any of his fights, was a long fight for him. Uh, yeah, and as as his legend grew, uh, and the more fights he got into, they they were seconds long. Uh, sometimes so uh, and then the biggest news I mean at least for me that I remember from 86 uh, and this happened earlier in the year but being from Houston uh, was the Challenger explosion that happened mm -hmm. uh, earlier that year in January and so um, that was kind of one of those things that I think you know everybody felt the effects of that but growing up in Houston having family that worked at NASA it was certainly uh a big deal around around my neighborhood so yeah. uh but yeah 86 
and many other things happened that year, but that's the <laughs> recap I'm going to get. That's true. Also, that was the biggest thing of the year, really. Yeah. Platoon released in December of 86, uh, which also stars Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Well, Uh, it has obviously a a tie in and a link here and effect to how what was happening on this movie. But yeah, which we'll get into. But uh, yeah, it released in December of 86 and won the Academy Award in 87. Yep. Won Best Picture. Yep. So uh, yeah. Nice. All right, David, uh, give us the quick plot rundown. What's happening in The Wraith for anyone listening who either hasn't seen it or hasn't seen it in uh, 30 years? The, One or the other. So. <laughs> the no Wraith uh, it focuses on a small town, uh, Arizona youth in the 1980s, a group of uh, thuggish uh, street racers you know, who also commit a bunch of crimes of basically just a big, the local gang. Um, they are like kind of like the focus of the movie, right? <laughs> and also of local law enforcement. Yes. Throughout the, the, um, and they are challenged by a mysterious youth who comes to town and also romances uh, local, local youth, uh, Carrie Johnson, um, who has ties to the gang and fam- familial ties and friends. And it doesn't take long for uh, all those bad boys to find themselves up against an an angry spirit who is uh, focused on maybe ending all their lives. One would say a wraith, possibly. A wraith, an angry ghost. All right. Spirit Um, of vengeance. So thank you, David. Thank you, Brent. What... uh... What's our? When was the first time we saw this movie, Blake? When did you see it in the theater? Did you see it on HBO, or did you rent it? Did anybody see it in the theater? That's the question. Like, <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to find somebody who's seen it in the theater. Uh, I uh, I was more along the lines of like, it was, yeah, like I didn't know that there was a following for this movie at all. Like going back to the earlier discussion, yeah, there was this kid that lived across the street from me, um, named John Turner. Shout out to John Turner, uh, who ended up moving away at some point, so I haven't seen him in forever. He was like a couple, he was like a year or two younger than me, mm-hmm. and um, but uh, we used to hang out, and I feel like he his he he and his family either rented it or they had it taped off of something. And there was some kind of like get together going on somewhere, I think at my house with like the parents and whatnot. And so we kind of went and did our own thing. We went to John's house and we watched it. And uh, so it's always kind of stuck. In, it's linked to that living room for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A yep. living room that I literally haven't seen or been in and probably doesn't even exist anymore but do you get a whole sensory like thing when you watch it like you can smell like the (laughs) where you were (laughs) but that i mean this was that was probably like 90 1990 91 okay um and uh and then i probably didn't see it again until college and then i probably watched it like one time since then um, but definitely not in the last 10 years for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's always been like this, a movie that stuck with me because like 
you know, it was one of those things like nobody. I, I didn't know anybody else who had seen it other than this guy, John Turner. For yeah. The longest time. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was like when you found those people who knew about it, it like it's kind of like, like werewolf that we talked about when you find yeah. somebody that knows werewolf, it's like, ah, finally. And for some reason, and there's no absolutely, maybe it's the same company or the same composer, but for some reason it's very um, tightly linked with the gate in my head, mm-hmm. even though I definitely Ooh. did not see them at the same time. I saw the gate before that, but they're probably around the same year. Oh yeah. 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 And uh, for some reason, maybe I bought them on like cheap DVD at Best Buy at the same time. And that's why <laughs> like, I see this as a two pack. I can definitely pack, yeah. see it. Yep. Double feature. <laughs> so uh, for some reason it's, it's very, it's linked to the gate. Um, nice. I don't know. I'm not sure why, but it is. I loved, I loved the gate as, oh. as a kid. I think, so I think it did come out right around this time. Well, I think The Gate is another movie that, I mean, one of the questions that you're going to, will be posed on this podcast about, like, if you didn't grow up in the 80s, can you, like, identify with this movie? Yeah. (laughs) I think The Gate is definitely, (laughs) like, you have to have seen The Gate at a certain age in the 80s for it to, like, be burned onto your soul in a very loving way even the goonies is like that though you know i mean goonies is it goes a little further but i find a lot of people that if you didn't see it when you were a kid in the 80s it doesn't resonate at nearly as much like there are people who see it now and and kids you know like it but it's just not quite the same yeah well the bizarre thing about the gate is that it was a horror movie made for children yeah, and right. it's truly disturbing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I probably haven't seen it for thirty-five years. Yeah, but I haven't I'll seen tell it you, since I'll, then. I'll tell you one thing: the the effects still hold up. Like, all do the, they? The the force perspective and uh, yeah, stop animation. All this stuff still looks really great. Nice. Like really, it's kind of an unsung hero in that in that field. I'm gonna I, have to I, dig that up. And we're find gonna it. have to. That's going on the list now. Yeah. That's pretty sure. 2024. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. Put it on. Um, Awesome. But Brent, what about you? When did you first see uh, the Wraith? You know, I just to go back to whether or not I, I feel like I always thought that this was a direct to video movie. Like I didn't even know that it released in the theaters at all. And it wasn't until we were talking about it a few weeks ago where you told me that it did actually release in the theaters that I gained that knowledge. But (laughs) I must have seen it right when it came out on video. I remember I I I was homesick uh from school and my my when I would be homesick from school, my mom would go and like rent videos for me and you know, get me like a comic book and you know, so I'd feel better, which ultimately just really led to a lot of days of me playing hooky. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> nonetheless, she rented this movie and it it was a new release when she rented it, I'm sure. And so uh I watched it homesick one day uh, and have no idea why she rented it. I was completely confused. I don't know. You know, well, look at the poster. I I was like, yeah, exactly. I mean the poster. Yeah. Uh, She must've just seen the box art and been like, yeah, he'll love this. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. I had no idea what was going on in this movie at that age. I, I didn't even know what a wraith was. So it was, uh, it was an interesting view. And I think that's probably the only time uh, I had seen it, but it always stuck in my head because it was such just a random movie 
And for me, like it was so random and weird. And, you know, Charlie Sheen wasn't exactly a household name at the point in which this came out, but he, he was quickly, on the brink. Like, yeah, yeah, he quickly became super recognizable pretty, pretty fast after this. And so I just always remembered like, oh yeah, it's that weird movie that has that guy from major league and, and, <laughs> and, you know, and so, uh, and really it wasn't until college, I think, until I met another person who even knew what I was talking about when I would joke about it or, or talk about it. So uh, I found my people uh, and here we are. David, let me guess. First time watch? First time for me uh, is just this week. Um, I don't even know if I had much of an awareness of it. So, you know, I uh, I would avoid sort of these, you know, I avoided low budget kind of things in the eighties <laughs> and this look kind of that. And it doesn't, it didn't really have the appeal as far as the box art. I don't know. It's, it's just a weird looking. That poster movie. didn't attract you to it. Come on. Didn't, didn't, it didn't really work. So I didn't have a, uh, I didn't have that, you know, that one person to, uh, to bring me in and say, Hey, join the club. So, you know, mm. best wishes to John Turner or, or, RIP to John Turner for all we know, <laughs> but you know, thank goodness he was there for it. Uh, well, so yeah, now, the club, man. yeah, so now you're in now. I feel like I'm a special part of it now that, now that I got to see it, uh, for, yeah, for this you're, podcast, you're a member of a select few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing about the, the cult sort of factor of this movie is it, it's not like we, we just covered evil dead to a couple of episodes back. So check that out in the archives at reconsideration.com. Uh, you know, Evil Dead in the late 90s got this like this resurgence started building. And that was a movie, you know, at least the first two were kind of forgotten, except, you know, for kind of pure horror fans. But, um, you know, it, it until it got those, you know, re-releases on DVD or those releases on DVD and, and VHS in the late 90s, it didn't really start to, you know, build for that one. The Wraith, on the other hand, never really got like a major, you know, upturn in the cult factor. It just kind of stayed in this, like you, you had to have seen it or you've been talking about it. There's no real movement, but. Uh... Yeah, it's interesting that we kind of classify this as a cult movie, because I feel like it doesn't necessarily have the fo- like a following the same way that other cult movies do that I that I think of. But I will say that anytime I run into somebody who has seen it, I'm, I feel, you know, having just joked about it, I feel like we are part of an exclusive club of people of not many who have seen it and understand and, and have gone through the ride with us. And so there is like kind of a, uh, a kinship there that for, for others that I run into uh, that have seen it, but I don't know, is that, is that a cult? Is that cultish? Does that make it a cult movie? A small that- cult, a small size cult. Well, if you, I don't know, if you read stuff or read interviews or you watch like special features on the Blu-ray or whatever, the people who are interviewed about it who were involved talk about how they had no idea that there's this cult following for it. And they talk about how there are like Facebook groups and there are there really like there's people That's that are like trying or like are building the car. And yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, like the guy who built, who, was in charge he didn't build the car because the car was actually a car but i guess maybe the guy that built the replicas of the car for the film like he was talking about that you know he got a message on facebook from someone who had all these questions 
about hmm. the car because he was trying to build one. So, I mean, I think, yeah, it, is the is the following as big as something like Evil Dead? Yeah, probably not. But I think it's probably a lot bigger than we realize. There was something that happened in the late 90s going into the, two th- the early 2000s where the internet became much more available mm-hmm. and uh, home media became you know, not just like the big studios releasing stuff or the people that are just doing like straight to video new releases, but there's was this big resurgence of, you know, Anchor Bay releasing like Mario Baba and Dario Argento movies and cult horror movies that hadn't really seen the light of day in a long time. Once all that started and then message boards started, and then especially when social media as we know it came like later, like nothing is truly obscure anymore you know like very few things and like we all and podcasts are a perfect example like we all found each other and we all like everybody who loves these things kind of found each other and it's created this community and that's it's kind of awesome but it also has taken away a lot of the kind of mystique and magic of finding something like Wraith and not knowing anything about it like yeah Evil Dead might have had a resurgence and then because that already darkness came out and but it wasn't until like eight until like Anchor Bay released like twenty seven different versions yeah. of it over a twenty a ten year period. Oh my god, so many <laughs> that it became like like really this like huge phenomenon. Of course, the people that loved it loved it, and that we supported like Briscoe County Junior and all the things that Bruce Campbell was doing and Dark Man. Like the people that loved it loved it, and you know, video stores made it possible for us to rent things over and over again or discover things that we didn't get to see in the theater or never mm-hmm. came to the theater as well as cable television to kind of that same thing. But all that cult following, like love for these kinds of things got like a shot of adrenaline going into the early two thousands. And so I think like, you know, in a lot of ways, the people that do these kinds of podcasts or Saturday night movie sleepovers in a lot of ways that we're kind of like stuck and in our teenage years, at least I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. It's so it's hard to kind of like uh, imagine like a world where Wraith has like a substantial enough audience to for someone to release like a special edition Blu-ray yeah. on it. Like they weren't doing it for the four of us, you know. <laughs> and that Blu-ray has like a lot of. There's a lot of you know extra features and interviews and everything. Commentaries like, and- yeah. Well, like, like Charlie multiple. Sheen, Charlie Sheen became a superstar as well, right? So, I mean, I think that probably fed into a resurgence as people probably went back to older movies in his in yeah. his career and started well, looking at things. I think also, you know, with like Blake, kind of like what you were saying, with the, with the rise of the internet, it gave a forum for people of our from our era to go back and what was that weird movie that like i don't remember it i remember like a part of it like we talked about on evil dead how that shot you know the fame the shot at the end of evil dead one that big zoom in was like in my brain from when i was five but i could like i had no idea what that was from until i saw the movie in college and then it hit me like oh now it all comes together but this was another movie. Like, what was that weird that Charlie Sheen movies like on a motorcycle and a car? And so now you could figure out what it was. Like, yeah. And another one became available. Yeah. In a way there was yeah, just, yeah. Like, things every very quickly. Things became like at our fingertips, <laughs> like kind yeah. of literally. 
uh, you know, I went to school, I went to college and film school right outside of New York City. And so just like coming into the city and going to video stores here, uh, ones that sold movies or ones that rented movies, even that was like a huge eye opener. I was oh, just yeah. talk I was just talking to somebody about zombie because uh they showed it on Joe Bob Briggs last drive in last night and uh I was telling them about like I had this book in the in the nineties that was about Quentin Tarantino because that's when Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. was seen and we all fucking loved Quentin Tarantino <laughs> <laughs> at, at that time and many people still do. Uh but I had this book where he it was like excerpts of interviews where he talked about other movies. So it wasn't really about him. It was about yeah. other movies. And there was this whole chapter about Italian movies and so yeah. that's how I learned about who Dario Argento was mm-hmm. and who Lucio Fulci was and before I years before I ever found any of their movies I was like there's some movie out there where a zombie wrestles a shark and it wasn't until I found it in like record explosion on 34th street across the street from Macy's where I it was freshly released from Anchor Bay in a nice clamshell and widescreen when I was like this is that movie <laughs> <laughs> this is that movie and uh so that was like 1998 99 mm-hmm. 98 so it just uh the the landscape changed really quickly and i'm not yeah. saying that wraith went the way of that in terms of popularity but it's certainly that kind of like steroid you know in the syringe of, of the you know that that the jump started the 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 physical media collecting and all that stuff certainly benefited wraith i think a lot absolutely yeah i um i saw this it had to be 87 88 somewhere like somewhere in, as soon as it hit hbo or whatever i don't know if it was specifically hbo but one of those movie channels uh, I remember watching it before school, like multiple times. I, it was like a, it was like a six thirty a.m. movie that I was watching. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> eating breakfast, watching the Wraith. I don't know why, but, but then it was yeah, like as uh, you know, it would come up in conversations with some with a couple of my friends, and and same thing, like they saw it before school, and everybody was passionate about it and loved it, and then. Uh, and then no one talked about it for 30 years. So, <laughs> Well, it has a lot to remember. You know, there's a lot. There's like interesting imagery. Mm-hmm. There's a cool car. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. There's like, It there's, is. Yeah, the car's cool. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a cool movie. Uh, it's like so- it's the 80s. It's It's got a car. It's got a motorcycle. Charlie Sheen was at his peak. Got you know, Sherlyn there's Finn action. Sherilyn Finn. Sherilyn Finn. <laughs> there's just a lot to, to, there's a lot to remember about it. There's yeah. A lot of things yeah. To, to kind of like find their way into the, uh, the wrinkles of our brains and stay there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, and it was weird and it was weird. And those are the kinds of things that kind of stick with you. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's part of what, I mean, I guess that's, that's, sort of one of the things about this movie is that it's a lot, you know, doesn't necessarily work in this movie or make sense, but it's that all adds up to the weirdness level of it. But it's that weirdness that makes it memorable, that sticks with you that like, would it, if it wasn't so weird, would it have had any kind of shelf life? Probably not. 
it would have been like, you know, a lot of other movies at the time. It's, you know, and it is, it is derivative of like many, many movies <laughs> to the point where it doesn't quite know what it is anymore, that it's, it's going in a lot of different directions, all of which are fine, but it doesn't ever pick one. Yeah. Well, you know, it also, you know, I think, you know, the way that I don't see, I don't know what younger people are into these days, but not the rate. You know, obvi- sure. Obviously there's a huge eighties <laughs> resurgence. That's just like hanging on for your dear life. And it won't be, it's not being let go of. Yeah. But you got to imagine in the eighties, that was happening about the fifties for us, right? Seventies into the eighties. Sure. All those filmmakers and stuff who grew up in the fifties were making remakes of the thing and the blob. And yep. we got Greece, and, you know, we had happy days in the late seventies and, you know, it's so in a way it's like this weird time capsule in, of the eighties because it's so eighties, but it's mm-hmm. also so fifties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it was like an eighties representation of the fifties. So <laughs> it, it's it's a really interesting movie in that it it's like this weird parallel universe kind of thing like it's that's not a real place in tucson right people don't actually do that kind of stuff yeah (laughs) you know she lives in like this beautiful like suburban neighborhood and when she's like the the first guy that dies she's like but he lives like a block like up the street from me i was like these bike these like (laughs) maniac gang members live in that neighborhood right (laughs) this dude who's drinking (laughs) drinking like hydraulic fluid yeah oh and that's that's one of the things that stuck with me the most i'm like i think about charlie sheen i think about the poster and the guy who drinks all the weird skank, fluids. Skank, the guy who yeah. just can't keep from <laughs> drinking automobile fluids, yeah. whatever they might be. Like, so gross. That was well, probably... That was, big, that was big in the 80s, though. You know, over the top, yeah. you got that guy that drinks motor oil. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Oh, the 80s. It's probably because I was sure... eating breakfast while I was watching it that that grossed me out so much. Yeah. Yeah, at one point, I'm positive whatever he was drinking was like Dimatap cough syrup in a in a milk jug yeah uh i i don't know if anybody's gonna know this but i tried to look it up and i couldn't figure it out but that house that uh that sherilyn finn lived at reminded me an awful lot of the house uh that patrick dempsey's love interest in can't buy me love lived at and I'm almost positive it's the same place, but I I couldn't I couldn't confirm. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know if Can't Buy Me Love shot in Tucson. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, there's some right. movie. Maybe it's you'd be surprised though, because one of them like maybe it's three o'clock high. That shot someplace like Arizona, like some weird. Yeah, at least you're like, why would they shoot that? At yeah, school. <laughs> like, there was a, yeah, Arizona else. was a weirdly popular place to shoot, but very randomly for, uh, I know a lot of people who, you know, older, more veterans in the industry who all like, you know, they got in the DGA on movies of the week that all shot in Arizona and, you know, hmm. that, that kind of stuff. So, must have been some kind of tax credits or something. Yeah. Like yeah. But like, um, yeah, this, this movie is like such a mixture of, it's kind of like Mad Max for teens. <laughs> A little bit. 
Sure. You've got a little of that. You've got, you know, Knight Rider elements happening. You've got a little High Plains Drifter. There's there's a lot of it's it's Mad Max meets meets American graffiti. Like Th- there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like even like I would say a little karate kid, you know, in, in, in there. Well, it is. It's you know, going kind of what I was saying before. It's like it's like its own kind of world. So it it does have in a lot of ways even though it's it is very 80s and the music the soundtrack and everything it, i mean in a, in some ways it's very timeless in a weird way <laughs> you know the cars are their classic cars then a lot yeah. of them anyway yeah and then you have this futuristic car and you know teens or however old they're supposed to be they, you know that's just the, the oldest teens in hollywood <laughs> that's, yeah that's it but they're universally yep teens like they yeah. go to the it's it's Arizona, so they go to the, the one place where there's water to hang out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they hang out at the drive-in, you know. And the burger, the there was a was, what's Arnold's, the name of the hangout at Arnold's? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That burger joint is um, the hottest place, the hippest place in town. Oh yeah, everybody either works there or is hanging what out. It's called That's... Big Big K's or Big, Big K's. K's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the plot of this movie is not the plot's pretty s- straightforward. It's more of the style in which the movie is done that, you know, starts to really like shift shift gears, pun intended. But um, you know, it, it's it's this go you know ghost or you know is it a ghost? Is it an alien? Is it a specter? It's a wraith, but a wraith, yeah, man. <laughs> who comes back to? avenge his his own death uh at the hands of these uh this gang led by nick nick cassavetes i think it's definitely avenge his own death but like make sure that the people he loved who he had left behind were okay with this crazy gang that was you know still wreaking havoc in his absence yeah and you know, starring Charlie Sheen, who has the least amount of screen time in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Starring is a loose word. Yeah. There was. I was watching it, and I, I, literally, I I was thinking to myself, "Where is Charlie Sheen? Like, yeah. we haven't seen him for I think maybe, except just for really quickly up at the front, he was missing for." 45 minutes, maybe really long stretches without him. And I mean, it really does feel watching it this time. I I did feel like it was really about this gang more than the Wraith and the Wraith is the supporting character that is driving, sort of driving the story. Um, yeah, all the the bad guys are all the are the protagonists of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. you see Nick Cassavetes with all sorts of emotions here. He's you know from oh, the we start and he's basically a, a rapist in the beginning of the movie to yeah. violent, and then we get tears, emotional, um, you know, sadness from him later on. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand this city at all. Like, are there not restraining orders? Like, why is why is Carrie with? Like, why is Carrie in this situation where, you know, Packard just shows up and she has no ability to get away from him. Well, he's bully. I mean, he's bullying her into, because they're not dating, 
right? Like they're just he not just, according to her, but according to him, they are. He's right. like kidnapped her and brainwashed her. She's got what? Uh, what's the syndrome? I forget now. Got Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm. Kind of? Thank yeah, you. Yes. There you go. Yeah, no, it's just like it's, it's like the opposite of that. Actually, yeah. Except <laughs> she doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't like him at all. She yeah. like thinks he's grotesque. She keeps telling him, but, like, "I don't like you." She kind of does. Like always around him. She's but, not doing anything to lead him on, but she doesn't. She doesn't put up a fight. Like she does. Well, she's afraid. She's, right? She's afraid. I mean, she sees what he does. Right. Yeah. Like you know, he's. Although apparently there's this revelation that she didn't know that he was the one that killed. Oh yeah, because she got knocked well, out. There's a there's this yeah, one throwaway line. Yeah, but she says in she... the end, like she she did know, right? Well, like... I think she suspected. I mean, because the when in the flashback scene where you see them burst into the room and when they're you know, uh, Jamie and and her are having sex, like you see some but one of them like grabs her and like throws a pillow over her head. So she doesn't actually see what happens, but I mean, I think you'd figure it out. Well, yeah, he ends up dead li- like like later, and it's like, whoa, did they actually do it? Like, what do you think, lady? Like, yeah. So it's confirmed for her later that they killed Jamie because that that's not what Nick Cassavetes wants, right? right? Like, that's his girl. She belongs to him or whatever. He's essentially uh, stalking her. Yeah, right. And she said, "Like I, I've, ne- I've never made love to you, and I never will." And he's like, "You will, like, <laughs> like what?" Well, yeah, dude, he's yeah. he's creepy all Guy? across the board. Well, this, you know, the '80s were. You know, this isn't exactly a high school movie, but whenever there's a movie where there's like a bully, like the '80s was. Bully like bullies in the 80s, like you genuinely feared for your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> three o'clock high. For sure. Three yeah. o'clock high. Yeah. High yeah. so Christine, like Chris, that guy's gonna kill Arnie if <laughs> the teacher doesn't show up in Christine. Yeah. You know, right. so uh you know, and and also in classic 80s fashion, the bullies are always like 30. You know, yeah. so, you know, like him like sitting in Nick Casavetti sitting in his car. This is like this is you know, like that horrible scenario where like your mom is dating some really creepy guy. You know, he seems more like your a potential stepdad to Charlotte Finn than yeah. like a potential boyfriend. It's very and and he's he's insane, but that's par for the course for, yeah. for that decade. Yeah, he um he was like the definitive bully for me after seeing this. And every time I'd see him in, in whatever random things he kind of popped up in, it's like, oh, the Wraith. Yeah, nope, bad guy. Bad, like, I'll never not see him as Packard. Um, but obviously, he went on to a really successful uh, directorial career later on, which I don't know how many people know about that, but that's really, like, where his success has been. Right. David, oh, you're that's... a big Notebook fan, aren't you? Uh, I haven't seen it. But what? Uh, no, I never saw it. <laughs> I, You're saw it. I mean, that's his, you know, he took went the route of his dad, too, right? I mean, that's yeah. kind of what his dad did. Yeah. I saw Alpha Dog. I saw his Alpha Dog movie. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, you know, the scene where the Wraith comes into the garage and shoots everything up, he's just destroying everything in the garage, and Packard's just just standing there. Just everyone's like mad, like, oh man, yeah. darn it. I'm gonna get this guy. 
but like why it is the i mean okay we can get in i mean there's a lot of why would this be a thing but like why does he have like a like a future shotgun it's like it's got it's got line that's got like lights on it why not like, and and i think like a tube going into his body i don't think you can explain the tech side of right. whatever is happening with the wraith uh, I, I know the director mike marvin has you know put it out there what was going on with those you know m- metal pieces of metal that are vanishing there's a lot of weird things and what it what is what is that what did he explain please don't keep it a secret any longer (laughs) so it was it's meant to symbolize that he's becoming more whole as he's killing eliminating each one of them he doesn't need the metal holding his body together anymore so after each death he loses a piece of metal because he's getting stronger do we see that throughout the movie that like he's got a no. lot of metal early well, and then we just, not a lot of metal at the end? No, it's very it's very vague. You only see, you know, the pieces disappear after one of the explosions, but there's never dialogue that tells you what is happening with that. It's just sure. oh, this metal is disappearing. It's so <laughs> but, much stronger. But it seems like that's the stuff. Like if he was in traction, that's the metal that that he'd be in, right? But like he was dead, right? Like it's not like right. He was like hospitalized with all this metal. Well, sometimes you just gotta roll with it. Yeah. Like, do they change the story? <laughs> this movie later? asks that a lot. A lot, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, it's like a cool idea in theory if it was consistent with any internal logic of the movie. But well, there isn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we could nitpick. Like, well, what, what is the what? What was the point of all the buildup for like the digital signal? like jammer or whatever just so yeah. we could see the engine <laughs> that one yeah right. it's like, yep, from the future just that so cool door that you opened could see up. the pulsing engine <laughs> that oh this is not like Earth-like. one why would you let somebody put a thing in your engine that would let them turn your car off yeah anytime right. they want it he just that was the rule the new and rule t- <laughs> the new rule <laughs> sprung it on he's like all right yeah, yeah. there's and a whole then lot of that there's no payoff for it ever zero it's just forgotten about it also also another one the uh the fact that as each of the gang members is killed in their car their you know respective car explosions their bodies are whole but their except eyes their eyes are gone well uh they're the windows to the soul man <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that's yeah like that's what he's feeding on i <laughs> thought he was raising an army or something like by the end like they were all going to become Wraiths. Oh, Wraiths that's that's the like, second movie. Like that yeah. didn't happen. No. And like, so what, what like what but, was it? That I, I they talk about it when when uh yes, we have another Sheriff Loomis uh here in this when yeah. Randy Quaid's talking to <clears throat> two of them that they're talking about it and then it is never addressed again. Yeah. No. Well then when but when Packard dies, he just looked like the thing is when they showed you the first body. Is it gutter boy or whatever? And he's just like ash and white and like his eyes are out of his sockets. Like he looks, but his hair is normal. So he's not burned yeah. to a crisp. Right. It's so like Augie's the first or Augie. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, but then when Packer dies, he just looks like a dude. He's, he looks like he's asleep and he's not wearing any clothes. And, and his eyes like, are closed. So you his eyes are closed, t- <laughs> but there's no, you wouldn't yeah. think. It's like, oh, they did it again. <laughs> maybe, like, maybe it was no, Cassavetes like, just saying, you're not doing that shit to me. Yeah, I'm putting that eye shit on. 
but like they should have checked like is he breathing he looks perfectly normal yeah. like just check yeah. <laughs> i thought he lived like and he was gonna be a tortured guy that like had to live forever or something well like, i mean uh, randy quaid's yeah. loomis is is pretty much the the biggest um <laughs> yeah, yeah sheriff i've ever seen in you know, um, yeah big big anti-drug cop too by the way just uh everybody like you know just everything he's doing he keeps uh insulting them as though they're a bunch of drug users and druggies and well, that's like well i mean not, skank not is totally wrong motor well, oh no yeah i mean when, when you're doing that's like the thing with the hydraulic fluid it's like you know this is what crazy gangs do they do anything that gets you high yeah. like and i feel like i feel like they, they drink poison skank and gutter boy right off the set of like class of Newcom high which was filming to store like two doors down <laughs> they're like we need set. some extras and they just oh get these guys the weird ones come on Did you're talking else... about the, when you're talking about the garage scene i don't know if you noticed there's a little homage to the thing in that garage oh scene. no i i missed it what, what it was when what is uh it? gutter boy goes uh skank who was that guy he's like i don't know but he was weird and pissed off <laughs> and that's nice. straight out of the thing about the, we should clark says yeah. it about the dog Huh. Maybe there's a, a link. Maybe we'll link those. Maybe this is in the same uh, cinematic universe. <laughs> the Wraith versus the thing. Well, you brought up Loomis, right? So Sheriff Loomis, but also there's a character named Billy in this, and they kept saying the, the names really close to each other, Billy Loomis, like over and over again, which constantly made me think of Scream and Skeet Ulrich's character, which yep. is named Billy And Halloween. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just like, all right. Not that these are linked in any way, just coincidental but yeah kept taking me out of it amongst other things yeah but um all right well let's 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 look at the cast a little bit more we talked about nick cassavetti's charlie sheen obviously is about to hit the big time it's um obviously also coming from you know family who was uh big all through the 70s and through into the 80s with martin sheen and a legend on his own but Charlie had, uh, I think this is technically, this is kind of known as his first leading role, although that is used, that term is used very loosely here since he's in the movie for about five minutes. <laughs> but uh, he was in Grizzly 2. He was in Red Dawn, which which we covered here and is a, a big time favorite of mine. And uh, and then now he's and, he, and I think he did Lucas as well and is really going directly after this going right to the set of Platoon. So, um, you know, shooting these really almost overlapping. And that's part of why he was in so, you know, so little of this movie is actually Charlie Sheen. A lot of those shots, like if you're not seeing his face, that's a double. It's not it's not Charlie Sheen. It's some local lookalike guy. Man, you know that head, the back of that head? That's me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the guy in the wraith. I'm the wraith. Uh, But how do you, are you guys, uh, are you guys in general fans of Charlie Sheen? I mean, he had such a huge, like, late 80s, early 90s, and then, you know, kind of died down for a while and then resurrected with a huge TV career. And then, you know, he went off the deep end. Yeah. I was a big, like, I was a big, big Charlie Sheen fan at the time. I, like, loved him in Platoon. Uh, I didn't see Wall Street at the time, but Major League, 
is like the coolest and his scene in ferris bueller i thought charlie was like one of the coolest guys uh at that when i was a kid yeah yeah i same. yeah i would i don't know if i'd say i was a big fan but uh from young guns to young guns to, to navy seals like i was all in on charlie sheen we sure. um we well a couple of years ago did an episode on navy seals and i i'll never not love that movie <laughs> It's so bad. It's great. I just love it. Michael Bean, Charlie Sheen, Bill Paxton, and Rick Rosovich together. An unbeatable team. David, what were you were you going to say something about the oh, machine? Always a, always a machine head in the 80s. Uh, with, uh, also with... Uh, hot Shots. Oh, Hot Shots in the, ni- yeah. in the 90s then, yeah. too. Uh, a minute when he was on Men at Work with his brother, Emilio... Um, eight men out can't beat that. Eight men out, yeah, yeah. Oh, big fan, yeah, big, big Sheen fan. Speaking um, of hot shots, <clears throat> now just theorizing is there a world where this movie ends and he becomes Topper Harley? Yeah, it's sure. when he got hired <laughs> to do hot shots <laughs> he, as Charlie. He Sheen. drives, <laughs> he drives off in the moat with the motorcycle breaks up with Carrie somewhere along the way and goes right to the, uh, the, the base. And he's I don't know how you, I don't know he how lists. you would link the two movies together, but Charlie Sheen <laughs> like certainly. He rides a motorcycle. Both. That's it. Well, you can really link any movies. You know, I, <laughs> there was a friend of mine who used to get really pissed. Cause I used to talk about how cliffhanger was a sequel to Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> I need how, to that's what why. happened to John Lithgow after he left Harry. He kind of went crazy and became <laughs> evil. That is fantastic. And he would like get that. mad at me because I would talk about it totally seriously. <laughs> um, oh, he's like, well, no, no, I'm serious. That's what that's what the intention was. Was that John um, Turner? That's why you haven't seen him in years. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't Don, John Turner. John Turner just moved away, unfortunately. Uh but uh, I I never saw the link between Hot Shots in this movie, but um, I'm sure there is there is an argument for it if uh, if we really analyze it. I also haven't saw seen the first Hot Shots movie since I saw it in the theater. So oh wow, uh, well maybe, maybe I've seen it one time since then. But uh, I think <laughs> it. I, uh... I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to catch all the refer- Wraith references in it. We um no. when when Top Gun Maverick came out, I did. You know, Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick, Hot Shots, Hot Shots Part Deux, and uh, loved. Lo- I love the Hot Shots movies. I, th- I think they're still great. So give it, give it a try. When you're ready for, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't have if anything you... against them. I remember I I was very fond of them. I was very especially fond of Hot Shots Part Deux. So yeah, yeah if I'll you drink enough radiator them. fluid, you should be able to link <laughs> yeah. just about anything. Yeah. But yeah, this is uh, you know Charlie right before that, and and his character Jake, right? Jake is his name in this. When he's in Charlie Sheen form, he's Jake, right? He's Jake, yes. yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Cool name for Charlie, but uh, Jake. He's so the character is so flat. <laughs> like he really doesn't have any kind of emotion. He doesn't seem like he cares too much about anything that's going on he's just kind of going through the motions it feels like and it's like it's over these course of days like what's like what's he doing by the way why don't you just come 
He's got to kill. He's got to let these guys mess some stuff up, and then he's going to slowly kill them over a couple days, and then flirt with his his old flame. And like then, he doesn't when he shoots up the garage. Like he just is shooting up the cars. He doesn't actually. He could kill them all right there and get his revenge and be on his way. But that's yeah. not what he does. Well, we don't. Yeah, like we don't have any idea. Like what's satisfying his thirst for vengeance and then like what what he really what's he after like as a a resurrected human who's now come to get his girl like she gets to go with him there's so much story there's so much stuff going on with potential that just nothing ever comes to another never amounts to like an interesting enough story just like just all these seeds are planted without satisfying any of them yeah, and his brother, um, who, yeah, does not seem too broken up that his that his older brother has been you know murdered somewhat recently. Did they say how when that happened? I mean, it feels like it was within I don't know a like few a months. Yeah, a month a couple months a year. I don't know. Everyone looks yeah, the same in that sense. flashback. So <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Well. You know, maybe he and his brother didn't really get along very well. Who knows? <laughs> like you don't see emotion of... the whole time. Yeah, you know, well, he doesn't get emotional about it till the very the very last scene with him, where you know he re- he puts it together bro. that Jake and Jamie is <laughs> the same. Jake, Jake, Jamie. How, yeah. how how long how much time do you think is that the, the movie take takes place in um you could probably count the nights since something seems to happen every night but maybe two weeks maybe you think it's that long? if that if that no probably less maybe a week a good a good solid five to seven days you'd say. yeah yeah see i was gonna say a month but that's only because charlie sheen disappears for half the movie and i'm just like <laughs> Well, he's right. the wraith, man. No, no, but, but like, it's just, well, it seems you, like a long time. Do you think that this is a question that I always pose when we do Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers? Because now, like, in hindsight, uh, you know, we do have a newcomer to the movie now. Like, I always wonder, like, are you, su- when are you supposed to know that he's the wraith? Like, when are you supposed to make that connection? Because, like, we just kind of know that from having seen it a thousand right. years ago. Yeah. Um, so maybe our newcomer might be able to answer that. David, question. what do you, uh, what do you think? <laughs> when well, I don't when know. did it hit you? I mean, it, I guess it was after, well, it, after it was ruined. <laughs> it was ruined. Cause I knew he played the Wraith. So yeah. But then like, I wonder him. like if you hadn't seen it, you're just judging by the poster and you walked into that movie or you rented the tape and you popped it in. Like, when is it that, oh, yeah. when does it click that he, like when I watch um like silver bullet, I'm always like, like, when are you supposed to know that the spoiler alert for silver bullet, non familiar, <laughs> that you're supposed to know that the reverend is the, is the werewolf. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, like, I always just kind of knew that because I saw it when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't like, know. I'm, I feel like it's kind of immediate in this one. Yeah, it's like you wouldn't be wrong to guess that. Oh, that's... he's the new guy, and then there's this wraith. Well, because yeah. the opening yeah. scene is like the you know the the lights coming down, right? The lights going blasting through Sher- Sheriff Loomis's poster and into the town, and then I think the next scene is him. Oh, maybe it's the maybe I can't remember if it's the 
the first like where the gang takes that car, you know, does their first race yeah. and they take, take, take that oh, guy's yeah. car. But then it's the next de- day you see Charlie Sheen riding in a town with a very cool jean jacket and no shirt on underneath. Dude, Carrie yeah. has some questionable decision-making skills. <laughs> Wraith style. <laughs> like, she can't get rid of Packard. And also, this dude rolls up in his motorcycle. She doesn't, it is. she doesn't know anything about him. She's like, yeah, let's jump on the motorbike. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so, David, on? did you think, like, right there, as soon as you see Charlie Sheen, that did you tie, did you assume that he's the Wraith? I, I, I assumed he was the Wraith, but I was like, I didn't know if he was the Wraith yet. Uh, he like, become he, the Wraith. Like, did he have to become the Wraith? So, Like, is there a big transformation? Like, is there yeah. like a Teen Wolf scene where like he's trans- he struck by lightning <laughs> and then became yeah. the Wraith? Or yeah. does he does he die and then get, you know, and then become a ghost? I, I think when I think it when I was a kid, um, just coming back to me now. I think I thought that that was what happened was that Charlie Sheen, Jake was like a separate person that the Wraith, you know, the light like hit him and took over him and, and Jamie sort of possessed him. I feel like if you make this movie, not a flashback and like, it starts with the romantic night of, of Charlie Sheen uh, as Jamie or Jake, whoever you want it to be, and and Carrie off in the mountain, and then he goes and gets killed, and then the wraith comes back, and you never see his face again. It's just this thing until the very end, and you reveal that he's come back, and he's. But like, I think part of part of the issue is like, why is why why are Jamie and Jake the same person? Like, what's like? I get confused with that. I get confused like. The timeline's weird because it looks like it happens the day before or yeah. three weeks before, or maybe it's four years before, but it doesn't really clarify. So well, why come back as Jake at all? Why not just come as the Wraith with the helmet and everything? And well, that's, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. Or, you know, like what's the point of having the Jake character Aside from the fact that you've got Charlie Sheen to play Jake, right? Yep. Then why not just lose that whole flashback part and just have, because you only have obviously like two days of shooting time with, with Charlie Sheen because of his schedule. Yeah. Like just change it so that you have him all up front and at the end, and then you just have this dude in a mask going around. Kind of killing him. <laughs> it is, but they add all this other stuff in. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if you go by the my theory that he's not necessarily there to avenge his death, but also and maybe equally or more so, there to make sure that his brother and Charlotte Finn character are okay, that he would interact with them somehow. So, but um, so. In that theory, he needs to be there for the interaction to see that. You couldn't with without the interaction, I mean, he couldn't could be make like an that ominous yeah. present rate. Right. But. Like he's setting yeah, he, he's gotta be Charlie Sheen to interact like have that interact you know, a person to person interaction with them. Yeah. Because he's okay. gonna leave well, I mean, he leaves his brother with the car, so you know. That's his gift to him, I guess. And yeah. gonna make him successful. Yeah. yeah. He's just gonna star man beam up and yeah. then he'll be fine. And then he takes off with Carrie. Where are they going? 
yeah, to, the to the stars, man. Yeah. I don't know. To, to is... the Air Force Base. Exactly. <laughs> to to hot well, shots. <laughs> well, and I wasn't the thing is, I wasn't even clear that like he he's the Wraith, right? But I didn't know if he wasn't fully the car when he was you never see a driver in the car. Like I thought he was right. just the car. Like mm. <laughs> Which kind of would have been Christine, yeah. In yeah. Some ways. Well, like, but part Packard picks it, like, figures it all out, like as soon as it makes sense. Oh, well, there's this new guy, and then oh, and then here's the guy challenging us. That's the same guy. Like he, he, if 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 you didn't know it by the time Packard knew it, now you know. Like they're absolutely the same character, or whatever. Supposedly, yeah. I mean, you, you know, again, it could have been a misdirect if, if it was written differently. But like, you're supposed to believe that the new guy in town is also the new terrorist in town <laughs> well you and you know who doesn't put that together randy quaid randy quaid no. you just can't do it there's no he's, idea what's happening he's he's too focused uh. on catching those kids and their wacky tobacco yeah and cutting those paper uh figures out that he was doing yeah. uh yeah he's kind of playing catch up the whole time and doesn't save anybody from anything in the entire movie apparently there was um there was a lot more to specifically his character, but there was a lot of other scenes that were written and scripted and were intended to be shot. And uh, they, there was some kind of conflict with the studio and they ran out of, I think they ran out of funds and it was like, well, now you're just not shooting all those scenes. So I think that's where Randy Quaid's character really got kind of toned down and left in like a bit of a question mark of what, why do we even have this person? He's also, I think the only adult that we see in the whole movie. Well, there's the guy at the, at the airplane graveyard. And then there's like his deputy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it like, it might've been more effective. I mean, it would have been, it would have like added to the weirdness of it, which might not have been a bad thing, but like one of those, you know, like a lot of horror movies just like take place in a world where there's just like no grown ups. Yeah. <laughs> They're always like just off somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it would have been, it certainly wouldn't have hurt the movie to have a scenario where there just was like this weird town where there's no. Yeah. <laughs> like, like J- Jake's brother runs the burger place, right? And he's 15, he 16. But it seems like he's doing everything. Like he's the cook and he's closing it down at night. And um, I don't know. That's what you did in the eighties though. You'd leave the teenagers in charge of your shops. That's true. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I closed down Suncoast video many a time. Teenagers were given a lot of responsibility. Yeah. So. Um, Cheryl and Finn. Here she is again. Here she is. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan, so I I love seeing her whenever she pops up. I did not remember that she was the actress in this in this movie until watching it this time. It like, and she looks you know so different than Audrey Horn in mm-hmm. in Twin Peaks. It was it uh, it was a pleasant surprise, and she was dating Johnny Depp this whole time, what? who was apparently in her trailer like every day she was shooting. He was just chilling in in the trailer back there so he was he was charlie sheen anytime his back was turned was he yeah in the in the might as well i'm totally stop it should have been i mean it would have been interesting if he 
because he also would go off to go do platoon as well he's in it with charlie um would have been interesting if he had played jake who would have who Who, knows what would have happened well she's in a because i'm as many as people who listen to Saturday Night Movie sleepovers, those I'm contractually obligated to mention Twenty One Jump Street <laughs> in every podcast. Yeah, she she is in a great episode of Twenty One Jump Street, opposite Depp. Nice. So the, uh, what's se- what season? Yeah, is that where they it, met, or did there got to be one they, or two already met? No, well, I mean, I don't think the show starts until like '87, so. Um, so they okay. So they must have already either broken up or had been together at the time. I, I think it's pretty early. It's one of the for people who, who know Twenty One Jump Street. Uh, t- t- uh, Johnny Depp's character and Peter DeLuise's character, who does have a kind of a striking resemblance to Nick Cassavetes' character yes. in this movie, yep. mm-hmm. uh, they often go undercover and they play these brothers called the McQuaid brothers. I think, and uh, it's one of the McQuaid brothers episodes, and she wants to hire. They're like crazy bullies in school although they don't actually bully anybody but they're like these crazy guys in school there is their cover and so and they have this reputation of that like you know everybody's like oh those guys killed somebody or whatever that's why they just entered our school and so she tries to spoil her she tries to hire johnny depp and her brother and his and peter deloise to like kill somebody like her dad or something who's like sexually abusing her or some shit it's pretty intense but wow uh I would imagine it's pretty early into the. I mean, there's it's only five seasons long, and Depp leaves after the fourth season, and he's pretty checked out by season four anyway. He's phoning it in for that yeah, last yeah. season anyway. What was he uh, doing? What was he do? What was he doing at the time? Crybaby. Is that eighty nine ninety? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know uh, Edward Scissorhands might have yeah, been. Didn't he? Yeah, soon maybe after shooting that. Yeah, yeah, yep. Crybaby. He must have. Done, he probably did Crybaby during. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess during 21 Jump Street, and then when he left 21 Jump Street, he probably did Edward Scissorhands right away. And was he replaced by Booker? Did Booker no, come so in that, to replace? That's that's the common misconception. Yeah. Was, we don't need to go down this giant 21 Jump Street uh, <laughs> tangent. But we're just taking a sidebar for a second. <laughs> Bear with us. It, they they coexist. Actually, I think uh-huh. he comes. I'm going to say Booker comes in in season three. Aren't they in a big high, cocaine episode? Doesn't he like struggle with cocaine and there? There is definitely. I mean, there's a lot of cocaine episodes. I'm trying to think which one. <laughs> it was the 80s. Ends, ends yeah. up with a. With an addiction, but he's kind of an antagonist at first. Mm. He's like the new guy. Um, and then they kind of coexist, and then he he might even leave before Depp leaves to go do the show Booker. Booker, yeah. The spin-off show. We gotta cover if looks could kill some point here <laughs> on the show. That was his big movie, bro. That was right? a that huge was... movie that uh and... an... I saw well, that also in, he's in, like what's that movie? He's in a movie with it's like mobsters. It's like oh him, yeah, yeah, mobsters. Christian yeah, Slater, um, and Patrick Dempsey and Patrick uh, Dempsey. Co- Costas Mandalore, I think is his name. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I forgot all about that. Greco, yeah, yeah, Richard Greco. All right. Anyway, well, anyway, so <laughs> I'm just saying, Sherilyn Finn and Johnny Depp were. Yeah, they dated for years, I think, and then I don't know if he, you know, broke up with her and started went 
right into his relationship with Winona Ryder, but somewhere around there. But he was, they were together up until, I think up until Twin Peaks. So all in that 89 kind of zone. But uh, yeah, her character, Carrie, um, she also doesn't seem hugely broken up about the entire <laughs> Jamie murder. Jake's here now. She's pretty like happy-go-lucky when she's not around uh, Packard. Right. Yeah. So yeah, this this movie doesn't have any good sense of timing or pace, like to pace anything out. Like nothing makes sense in a lot of ways if you think about about it too hard. So it's like it's it doesn't try hard enough to be a little weird and surreal, and it doesn't, or and it doesn't try hard enough to sort of ground it in any kind of reality that makes sense for emotional, like you know, uh, like uh, uh, genuine. Yeah, you know, genuine emotion. Yeah. So it's a little, it's it's, and then it's got a, a whole mess of ideas in terms of like sci-fi, supernatural, re- spirits of vengeance, and 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 revenge, and and murder, and true love, and grown up young in the eighties. Uh, I I I would put it that everyone's post high school, but I was like, I'm like, boy, are these teen? Like, are they in high school? Like, are they supposed to go to class soon? I'm like, they're so old. Like, there's no way. Like, <laughs> They must be, you know, just post high school youths. Yeah. Just having a good time. Still living in town. I feel like there's another hour of movie just sitting on the cutting room floor and the whole thing is it would just be a chaotic mess if we if we had all that footage. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, I mean kind of it's the 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 weirdness of the movie is that it never fully commits to being weird. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Like, That's right. And it makes its own like unique weirdness out of that. And yeah, it's it's a very look. The performances are interesting. Let's just put it that way. Like the lack of emotion, like you said, or the absolute like other end of the spectrum of like just crazy over the topness. Yeah, um, yeah. It does seem like Charlie Sheen didn't want to be there. You know, he yeah, just... and he sure found his way out. <laughs> I mean, I think they did shoot his scenes in like two or three days. I mean, he really was barely there. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing what a contract you know gets you into. It's like, like well, on, oh. we'll make this movie, but I'm out. Of, I gotta go. I gotta do platoon. Yeah. On the DVD, Mike Marvin says they shot all of his scenes in one day. I don't think that's possible. That's bearing like the locations that they're in, and I, I don't think that's. I don't think you could do that, but because um, then it would be a lot of the movie got shot in one day, <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> yeah it's a lot uh, of pages yeah yeah but, but mike marvin i i don't even i i don't know really what he did I, I think he directed some tv after this but he had uh he had written hot dog the movie and right. directed hamburger the motion picture coming into this one so his first uh non-food related uh yeah, project french, french fries the movie just never <laughs> got off the ground unfortunately. <laughs> it's meant to be a trilogy yeah <laughs> i remember hamburger the movie like the poster being up in my video store movies one in peekskill new york really? uh, i've never even i just heard. remember the poster because it was one of those like it was you know hand-drawn thing and i was like that style but like what is that and it had the like the little boxes at the bottom of the poster with all the actors in it and it's like 30 people um most of which i didn't i didn't know who they were but is this like like another sex comedy 
you grew up not far away from where I grew up then. Yeah, I think we did grow up right right in the, the same the Albany area. Yeah. But, uh hamburger, that was like a meatballs kind of movie, raunchy. Kind of, yeah, I think they're yep, yeah, the early eighties like sex comedies. Well apparently you know? he got he got his start like shooting ski footage, right? Yes. And then, yeah. And then he, yeah. He's the he one did that, that filmed the ski Better off dead. The ski sequence oh. in the Bond, which Bond, which what's the Robert Yeah, it was uh, the Spy Who Loved Me. To right? kill? Oh. No, no, License to Kill. <laughs> uh, I think it was the Spy Who Loved Me, that that uh, opening, you know, ski chase. Yeah. That's that got that like legendary jump, you know, the stunt at the end of it that goes and right in the title sequence. And that's how yeah. he got into Hollywood. Was yeah. Doing that. So, yep. of course, yep. the next logical step was the Wraith. <laughs> one hot dog and hamburger <laughs> later you get the race <laughs> and hollywood was like what what are we doing here well this is one of those who let this that, guy in i mean maybe part of the reason why it never goes fully dramatic and emotional is because like clearly i mean you got to look at like who who were they really aiming this movie at like it's i mean it has to be like a young teenage yeah. audience and yeah. uh I'm going to give some credit to 21 Jump Street, but like not a lot of movies went that way and darker stories, media until 21 Jump Street that went pretty serious. Where yeah, they was... decided to make a very serious show geared towards young people and like not pull any punches. But that was not the norm. I mean, aside from, you know, you could argue things like. Christine is are pretty serious, but you know, horror movies are kind of different. And though this has obviously horror movie elements because of some kind of supernatural thing going mm-hmm. on, it does seem like maybe the decision to not ever go with like the the tr- the tragedy of what's actually has happened yeah. in this storyline or what is happening and just kind of glaze over it. Or the actors just didn't get any direction. I mean, it could you know, it could go either way. Yeah, I think that might be likely. It's probably a combination of combination of things, but it, it it does seem like, based on the version that we see that that we've seen and exists out there, that the actors are going in different directions, and not everyone's on the same page creatively about what the tone is here um everyone's a little bit like they're all a bunch of weirdos and 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 stuff so they all play the weirdoness way up like yeah. it's just turned and it doesn't it doesn't get pulled pulled back a little and then you know charlie sheen is just sort of there and yeah. kind of charmlessly like, walks through it, a scene. it feels <laughs> like he's waiting for his director to tell him what to do you know, to tell him how to play it. He's just going to play it flat (laughs) and uh, against Carrie, you know, Sherilyn Fenn's kind of bubbly, like she's really in love with him and smiling the whole time. Um, And then you have Packard's like just mean bad guy. And then his gang is way over the top, each of them. So it's like someone's got to balance that out and find that level that they all should be at. Yeah, it looks like they all had fun doing it. And reportedly they did. Like yeah. aside from the fact that somebody died while making the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, someone uh, died? Yeah. yeah, I uh during one of the car chases, uh a camera car 
I think rolled over and like, I think went down a, a hill and a bunch of people were hurt, but one of the camera operators uh, was died there. Yeah. That was Bruce Ingstrom, right? That's Ingram. De- yeah. Ingram. Yeah. They dedicated. Oh, that's the, right. The, the movie to him. Yeah. Buddy Joe Hooker was the stunt coordinator and did all the, the major stunt driving. And he's like a legendary stunt driver and, um, you know, or just stunt performer. And, uh, they were off doing like they were they were away from the main production and you know again no cell phones and in that kind of area like walkies are only going to get a certain range so he and the stunt team ended up doing like you know like really like jumped into medic mode and they were like took care of the crew that was all injured and then they couldn't find the person who ended up dying because i think he got tossed but um (sighs) yeah it was uh not uh it was a very tragic uh situation but um and i think they did de- they dedicated the movie to him they did, they did yeah, yeah. Hey, apparently it's one of the reasons why the director didn't really do a whole lot after this for a few years yeah yeah i guess you know the 80s also with twilight zone and the disaster on that it's like yeah directors you know maybe we're starting to get out of out of control and it's amazing though that the directors of the seventies like didn't have more with the crazy stuff that was going on with them. Uh, there wasn't more accidents there, but uh, yeah, now we've got all of our all all those accidents and things that happened led to all the strict safety stuff that we have today. But accidents still happen. They do. They do. Uh, Randy Quaid, just going back to him, I totally forgot that he was on saturday night live at this time (laughs) that bizarro season of saturday night live with him robert downey jr anthony michael hall like all in the main cast um joan cusack i think and the 85 86 season is very strange and kind of unlike any of the others he's a certain he's got a certain uh certain talent that he brings to things yeah but those guys are like they're they can be funny but they're not comedians right yeah they're comedic yeah well john cusack they they can do comedy yeah but there's a difference randy quaid funny yeah they're all caricatures of humans that's that's the the (laughs) shtick Um, so Mike Marvin claims that he's ready to do a sequel to the Wraith, that he has three different scripts written, all sequels to this movie. It's the sequel everybody's been asking for, Mike. A direct sequel to this movie, this storyline. Yeah. With three different scripts. You could get Charlie Sheen. He's got options. You probably could get Charlie Sheen. You could get everybody back, right? I think so. Except Cassavetes, maybe. Because Clint Howard... Oh, he's dead. No, well, Nick Cassavetes, Nick Cassavetes is still alive. No, his character's dead. Oh, yeah. Packard's well, dead. He, they he could all come back, back as Wraith. Wraith. That's a good point. Wraith, exactly. The Wraith <laughs> versus Wraith. They're all Wraiths. They all have weird bodies that didn't burn up. Well, that would be an interesting story that Cassavetes' character comes back as a Wraith to get revenge <laughs> on World War, Charlie World Sheen. World War Wraith. World War Wraith. Now Packard's the good guy and uh, flip it. We got that emotion from Packard when he's crying and, and watching, you know, them get on the motorcycle together. And 
So we know he's got the range. Yeah. Yeah, I like how they kind of they try to make it seem like he's hidden by, you know, putting some like brush in front of the camera. <laughs> but it is like it's in movies though, it's like you don't see like the only Corvette in town parked across the street. <laughs> <laughs> right across the street. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, and if he's hidden, like where where is he parked? It's like parked in the bushes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then we get like the same shot at the end of the movie where Randy Quaid's then watching the two of them together. And I'm waiting for that tear to come down <laughs> his face. <laughs> and what would that mean? Um, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe we'll get Wraith 2.0. Maybe it's going to happen. It's uh, Clint Howard, by the way, who's amazing in this movie in all his Clint Howard. Dude, his hair is on point yeah. in this movie. And it was a wig, too. Very, oh, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, kind of hurts my feelings a little bit. <laughs> Apparently, he was going quite bald by by this point. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, I knew he was heading that direction. I thought we had gotten ahead of it in this movie, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, how <laughs> glorious!" <laughs> but Clint Howard had been acting by this point for like twenty years. Yeah, like yeah. he's. I mean, he was on episode three, I think, of Star Trek. He, One of the yes. first ones. I mean, Clint and his brother have been around. They've been in the business since Hollywood, since since black and white TV. Yeah, and still going strong. Nepotism. You got Charlie Sheen. You got yeah. You know the Cassavetes. You got Clint Howard. Oh yeah, yeah. It's all. I mean, I don't know. I, but you know, I I guess Randy Quaid probably came before Dennis Quaid, but still, it's uh, yeah, just a little bit. Yep. Yeah, but um, Rel- relatives of stars, the movie. Yeah. yeah. Hollywood royalty here all <laughs> throughout the film. <laughs> the Wraith has everything, including an amazing soundtrack, by the way. Like this soundtrack is fantastic and it does not stop through the it's like almost the whole movie. You've got like pretty you know, and, and it's not like throwaway songs either. It's like Rebel, right? Rebel Yell from Billy Idol's in this. And there's a whole bunch of, uh, you got Motley Crue, you got Ozzy Osbourne and Robert Palmer and like big names with, you know, at least maybe not their top songs, but but recognizable songs all through this. Oh, well, I mean, was it Addicted to Love? I mean, that was a pretty big hit. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, yeah, I guess that than, was, yeah. Other than maybe Simply Irresistible, it's probably Palmer's biggest hit yeah for sure for sure but uh, rebel yell was pretty big too rebel yell was Mm -hmm. huge yeah yeah i think that was the first billy idol song that i was like yeah yeah i was really into yeah well you know that's obviously didn't start in the 80s but it seemed like 80s into the 90s it became like the whole new art form of the soundtrack album Mm mm-hmm like let's make more money off of this thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. releasing an yeah, album. Yeah. Let's let's really milk it for everything it's worth. The soundtrack knows how to rock. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's your quote on the on the, back, on the back CD of the, back of the hoodie. <laughs> knows how to knows how to rock. Bonnie Tyler, like you said, Stan Bush. Yeah, Stan the, Bush. Now come on, the soundtrack king. Yeah, I mean Stan Bush is one of the best. Did he is. How often does he go on? Doesn't he go on tour or do concerts like every so often? I'm sure he must. But yeah. 
I think he did something in LA a few years ago where he like went into like the Transformers, you know, his songs from the Transformers, the movie, and people went nuts. I went to go see uh, at the Whiskey. I went to go see Vince Tacola, who did the score for mm. Transformers, the movie, yep. and Rocky Four, and uh, Stan Bush wasn't there, but they played some. They played that stuff. Yeah, you know, they all they go together. Else come out, and uh, it was awesome. I'm not I gonna lie when he yeah. closed with. Close with a couple of tracks from, uh, you know, from Rocky Four. I'm not gonna lie. I I got I got emotional. I got yeah. a little teary. <laughs> How can you not? It's like it's like the ser- Like every Rocky movie has such an amazing emotional soundtrack and score. So should we uh, should we see? How this fared at the box office and do a little box office glory? Oh yeah. All right. The Wraith is released on November 21st, 1986. It had a three, $3 million-ish budget. There was uh, Mike Marvin was had said that the budget that he signed was a different dollar amount than the budget they actually kind of worked with on the movie, and there was some maybe some shenanigans going on, but somewhere around $3 million. So, uh it came out uh, November twenty first. It opened at number eight, going up against an American Tale and Chuck Norris's Firewalker. Ooh, I did, ooh. <laughs> so Firewalker. not a not a good start. Uh, and clearly, it, they thought Thanksgiving time release. All the, the all the family's going to get together next Thursday. And yeah, they're going to go see the Wraith. It's just going to pack a four quadrant movie. Yeah. Um, did, for everybody did not happen. It, uh, it was sandwiched <laughs> right between uh, soul man, which is a movie we can't talk about anymore uh, in week five <laughs> and stand by me, which was week 16. I saw soul man at the theater. Did you really? Yes, I did. I remember seeing stand by me at the theater. I didn't, but I've seen it so much more than soul man since then. No, <laughs> I was talking to my brother uh, and I was like, remember when I, we saw stand by me? He's like, yeah. He's like, dad cried. Wow. Like, yeah. Through the whole thing. Yeah. The whole oh. thing. I think, I think like our grandfather, by his dad had just died recently. Uh, and uh, and uh, I, I didn't remember that as a kid, but he remembered that. And it was, this was a recent conversation. That's why. Yeah. Kind of fresh for it. Well, I mean, there's definitely Stand by Me is, I mean, a great, great movie, and and yeah. can certainly see that striking some nerves and in, in people that you know who grew up with a group of friends like that and had situations like that. Um, number one at the box office was Crocodile Dundee, which I did see in the theater. Uh, Same week, week nine, Crocodile Dundee. Another movie we'll have to take a look at at some point. Did you say you saw Crocodile Dundee in the theater on week nine? Well, no, it was week nine. <laughs> this week right. was week nine. But oh, okay. I remember I what week how, do you, week. how do you know that you were there on week nine, John? <laughs> Maybe I was. That, that is that's insane. That, that I remember people, you know, the theater being populated. So who knows? Yeah. 
Um, okay, so it did uh, opening weekend. It racked up one point four million, and worldwide it ended oh. up with three point five. So uh, it is a Cha-ching. sad failure at the box office. Probably needed to clear six between uh, ads and whatnot. But um, it is not in the. Uh, I, I looked up the top. What I saw was the top seventy. For 1986, it did not uh, make it into that zone. Pretty sure uh, it was 71. <laughs> maybe it was 71. Well, I don't think it opened on a ton of screens. And according to Mike Marvin, there was something wrong with the audio mm. track on the print and that you couldn't mm. really hear what was going on. I don't know how that would affect box office unless yeah. everybody, who, everybody who saw it that first week was like don't go see that it sounds like shit <laughs> the, the mix weird sound shit I'm pretty sure even if you could hear everything you still wouldn't know what was going on in the movie so you're still coming away with what what <laughs> what happened what just happened that car was cool yeah uh yeah top of the box office in 86 top gun crocodile dundee and aliens so the Wraith comparable to those. And you know, it and then you said it would get a cult following through, you know, home video and yeah. I'm assuming rentals and stuff. I like, you know, with all the music that's in this movie and stuff, it's rentable. I could rent it on streaming, uh on different platforms and stuff like that. But you know, we can't we still can't get cocoon as we keep talking about. But like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like there's a lot of a lot of musicians on the soundtrack. And yeah, I wonder what that is. Like, I can't, you know, this wasn't a major studio picture either. So yeah. I don't know what the music licensing was, but it yeah. would, I don't know. It's one of those, yeah, it surprises me that they hadn't pulled those, you know, who knows, or maybe they got renegotiated. Or maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe there's blocks of, of artists in certain times in the mo- all the movies they were ever in. Maybe there's a blanket thing that covers them. And maybe all the artists. All Maybe all the artists were like, "Don't you dare pull my song from this movie." Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Team Wraith all the way. Maybe there's not enough people watching this movie, to... <laughs> or that. No, sorry, I'm, I'm bagging on it too hard. This, no, this movie's a... not that bad. It's not. It, it really isn't. It's so. I mean, coming, coming back around on it, it. It's, it's not that bad of a movie. It's just a movie that is a mix of a lot of different things and, and never really decided exactly what it wanted to be. It, it's had they kind of leveled the tones and both the performances and the general like style of the movie, it could have been really, really cool. Uh, instead of, yeah. you know, a low to mid level cult following, it could have been, you know, a success. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I honestly, I mean, I know I've been, kind of tanking on it the entire episode but i do think that this could be a really cool movie but unfortunately it just seems what ended up happening is it was just kind of lazy it seems like lazy performances lazy writing in a lot of ways and uh like it just doesn't in the 80s like when i saw it you know i i was confused because i didn't understand really what it was about but i was entertained still by the car and and mm-hmm. by kind of the uniqueness of it but you know after a rewatch it was kind of just doesn't it didn't it didn't hold up much but i do think that it's got a lot of those great elements that could have made it a really cool movie i i mean i think it is a, 
I think it is a cool movie. And All I'm right. not going to say that it's a great movie. Yeah. And I am I will fully you know ad, you know admit or be on you know be on agree with all the kind of the mistakes or the, the things that don't work about it that we talked about but i think it's watchable and i think it's you know like it's enjoyable and it's kind of in its own right and at the end of the day that like that's all it really not, needs to do and probably all it really aspired to do <laughs> like it's watchable it's yeah. it's 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 very watchable there's i mean so many worse movies out there you know it's 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 not shot badly at all. Like it's it, visually, it looks good. The effects are, you know, are pretty good for for the time. And, um, yeah, it's uh, like I'm not gonna watch it again tomorrow. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or will you? Maybe next week. <laughs> but you know, it's a good like every ten years revisit the wraith yeah. and uh, kind of, you know, but like the, but it's the not weird, great, but. You know, so few movies really are. Let's yeah, what's that. great anymore? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> just the like, weirdness. Just watch what you like. Well, the thing, <laughs> the thing's great every time. Um, eh, it's the, the uh, oh, it's great. but the weirdness and the kind of quirkiness of or the bizarreness of it is kind of what makes it fun to watch. I just think. Get, I mean, I think it just doesn't satisfy. Like, if it got a little weirder or got a little yeah. more, like, well, that's, yeah, for sure. That's the la- well, That's the lacking part. Like, I think I love that there's like just a smattering of of things smashed against the wall to see what sticks. But then there's such little follow through. Yeah, like it's, it, look, it doesn't live up to its potential. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I think I, I'd watch it. I think I'd watch it as a what could have been kind of kind of thing. But uh, but yeah. But, well, we'll have to review these three scripts and see which one. It's gonna yeah, work, it's funny. So. We've got Mike Marvin. Uh, if in the, the sequel room, comes out, I'll still go in. see the sequel, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, back. it's just this. It's super. Obviously, everything we talked about. It's super derivative of like a million things. Um, <laughs> it's you know, obviously, it, it's derivative of High Plains Drifter, but yet like kind of a precursor to the Crow mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Sure, and. But at the same time as like being so derivative, it somehow manages to, for me anyway, feel unique. <laughs> you know, the fact that it is yeah. really just a combination of a million things, but the way it's executed and maybe that recipe of all those ingredients, yes, feels familiar. Feels like we've we've been here before, but there is something for me that feels like unique about it and mm-hmm. it's, and it's yeah. like it's yeah. it's the weird tone and it's you know like the car the futuristic car and the weird like giger you know like space suit yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> it's like it, it's it's kind of like a beautiful mess in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah, that yeah. that's fair and and you know i think i think the best I mean, I think everybody should see it. You know, I mean, obviously there's differing opinions on it, but I think everybody should see it and and come to their own conclusions. I, I you know, I wow. yeah. I totally I totally get why someone would like it and why it would be why it's entertaining, for sure. I I just for me, I feel like it again, maybe entertaining, but could have been 
it's interesting enough that I'm disappointed. It's not better, I guess is, is, <laughs> it's sad. is, that. is huh. my, is my takeaway. I'm going to need to take a poll on anyone. Like what, what kind of like eighties movies do you like? Cause I need to, if I don't know what, I wouldn't recommend this to someone unless I can tell based on their other, you know, predilections. <laughs> like, yeah. I oh, mean, then I you would, should probably watch this. You'd like this. Yeah. I mean, I would never tell someone that they shouldn't watch a movie, but I don't know sure. if I would recommend it unless somebody was like, I'm way into eighties yeah. car movies. Then and... it's a must. <laughs> yeah. If this fits an awesome soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, but I, well, have you seen this one? I like uh, vengeance movies that don't make any sense. Ooh, I've got one. <laughs> I've got I've the got perfect the perfect one movie. for you. <laughs> the the unanswered questions make this, you know, just bizarrely fascinating. And yeah. um you know, I think for those of us that discovered it in the 80s, it's kind of something that's always going to be there uh in our in our memories, but uh I'm excited about the Wraith too. I think I I want to make this happen. So well, uh, yeah, T-O-O, of course. Is it? Yeah, of course. Is it? Is it three scripts for a sequel, or is it three sequels? I think is it is. He has he envisioned three like versions. a four picture. It's like you know, it's like, like I, Avatar after Avatar gets done with their eight <laughs> sequels. I think it's three separate sequels. Each is a sequel. They're not like a series. It doesn't become yeah. a series, but it's maybe like it could. Three versions of the next movie. Yeah. Wasn't this like wasn't Knight Rider's plot kind of similar? Didn't Michael Knight did he die? Yeah, he didn't I, die, but he had plastic surgery. Right, he got beat up or something, right? Or yeah. I can't remember what the full backstory, but it was something it where new name. yeah, new name, new you know, new face, looking like Hasselhoff as you do at post surgery. That's a, a hell of a hell of a plastic surgeon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, but I don't remember if his it was a quest for revenge or no. Or I don't what think the... so. I don't know how he got hired by the Knight Foundation. Yeah, do, I don't he remember was, like he... why he was qualified for it. It was like kind of like a Remo Williams type situation. Oh, another movie. <laughs> yeah, same thing. That's, another face. Uh... Just recruited him and gave him a new face, and or, or just no shaved job, his really. and shaved his mustache. Right, <laughs> <laughs> took the prosthetics off his nose. Right. Remo Williams needs to happen. Yeah, for sure. Blake's covered it on Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Uh, one of the like first season. First it was, was very it? early days. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to go but it's score back into the archives out. and pull it out, man. Yeah. I love that. Read movie. all about the score and score to death too. More conversations. Oh, and I love that movie, but I do interview Craig Saffin and we talk a lot about that and Last Starfighter. Nice. That, that, um, I just, I remember I had the, the trailer for Remo Williams was on one of the Betamax tapes that I had that I watched over and over. I don't remember, I can't remember what movie it was, but it was on like one of the commercial breaks. And that, you know, that Reem, that theme was like awesome. That's such an awesome track. Yeah. That score is awesome. And another movie that is not really kosher by today's standard. yeah 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 he was Re- like, remo remo williams isn't it's well joel, joel gray, gray. And, yeah mm. joel gray plays a an asian man yeah yeah with great prosthetics and somebody was nominated i don't know if it was him or the he might even have been nominated he was i think he was work. nominated yeah oh this is incredible all right we're, we're gonna <laughs> have to, to the list bump that one up 25 <laughs> 2025 yeah <laughs> 
We're going to do a double feature. Soul Man and Remo Williams. Remo Williams. The adventure begins and ends. All right. I was so bummed that I never came out with a sequel for that. I know. Well, there's a whole book series, but that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. Um, but I was uh, I was super excited that we all got together. And Blake, thank you for for coming on for the Wraith. Uh, it's it's always great to have you here. I think we're going to try to get you back, uh, you know, later this year. We, we got to finalize our lineup, but it's I the door is always I, open. I was genuinely disappointed that I wasn't here for Rocky three. I'm We'll make that up. We'll make make that up to you. I was I was I was a little hurt to be honest with you, but um, Wraith is a good substitute. I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, let's check out Scored to Death. When uh, what what's the next step? When when can people start? Um, what's the next th- thing they can do to to help out with Scored to Death? Well, I guess just. Uh follow on social media I, I just this week i put a little teaser for the uh album a little snippet of something one of the tracks um and that's kind of you know where i've been posting stuff about the movie and the and the the upcoming album which is uh, in the process of we're just finishing up the master of the record and then that's going to go off to get pressed on vinyl and cd nice. uh but uh, it, it's a very cool compilation uh steve moore the band voyager three alan howarth mm. uh wojciech galchevsky uh it's a bunch of really great and generous artists got together to support uh score to death by recording uh some tracks for it uh for free out of the goodness of their heart because they want to see the movie get made and uh yeah so when i eventually have copies like i said i'll make those available uh for people that are interested in that it's turn it sounds great so far it's i'm like kind of more excited about that than i am the movie to be honest with you <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh we're in the home stretch before we have to get that press but the process to get vinyl pressed is could take up to a year so wow uh it's cuz you got to get in line yeah. Uh but uh, there's that move the movie stuff, you know, as stuff continues to happen, I'm sure I'll throw up kind of updates and maybe little snippets of interviews and stuff. But that's kind of really all people can do at the moment is uh, at score to death on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh stay tuned to score to death radio and uh occasionally check out Saturday night movie sleepovers. We have years and hundreds of episodes yeah. <laughs> in a back catalog and you just dropped a, a new one a few weeks ago right we did like a just got together and, and, and chatted yeah and kind of made some recommendations of some of the stuff we've been watching oh that's right yeah, yeah. lately yep. but uh, we're doing an episode proper that uh we're hoping to record next week uh uh, potentially, I think we. I think of, now that we don't do the show very often, like the pressure as to what we're going to choose to do has kind of increased. Mm-hmm. I feel like we either have to do something like really big or something very strange. And like people are like, huh, that's funny. <laughs> that's a weird one. You can't just do something in the middle. 
Uh, but we, we have something come from the uh, early 90s that I think a lot of people are going to be into. Unless we have an epiphany and come up with something better. All right, we're looking forward to that My Cousin Vinny episode. <laughs> I, I pushed. I've, I've in the past. I've pushed for my cousin. But it's on. It's on the list. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be. Uh, we'll. We'll stay in tune for for that next episode. Looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, every, we're, we'll check. We'll follow everything that happens with Score to Death. So very excited to see how that progresses. And uh, and if you want to check us out, you can check us out at Reconsidimation Podcast on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Check out the archives at reconsidimation.com. Uh, give us a, a, a rating and a review. It always helps the uh, helps the show. A uh, quick shout out. Thank you to some of our other friends, EK Women for the theme music and Curtis Moore for the poster. And, uh, and stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to be going back to the 90s ourselves with a look at The Shadow. So very... I loved it when it came out. We'll see how we feel about it now. I was in the minority then. We did we did that a few years ago. It's a did it's you? an interesting revisit. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry Goldsmith did the score. Yeah. I mean that part is a win for sure, but uh, it's all the rest, so we'll see. But uh, but again, Blake, thank you for coming on. We very much look forward to you coming back next time, which we'll figure out. Always and and we will see you guys next time on Reconsinimation. Take care. Bye now. David, your mustache is back. It's back. <laughs> it's always been this way. <laughs> it's, it's always been here. Some of some have said it's never gone anywhere. <laughs>